Hello, and welcome to Technically Iowa, a podcast featuring Iowa women tech entrepreneurs and leaders. Technically Iowa highlights thought leaders, game changers, and all-out rock stars innovating in Iowa. I'm your host, Beth Trejo. We have a great show planned for you today, so let's get started. Today, we're going to be speaking with Joyce Pingle. We have a very exciting show for you, so we're excited to have you join us today, Joyce. Thank you, Beth. First, I just want to start out by introducing yourself to our listeners, who you are, what your background is, and just give people a little overview of what's important to you as a Iowa Tech leader. Okay. Thank you, Beth, for inviting me to the show today. Some background on me is that I grew up in Iowa, up in Northeast Iowa on a dairy farm in New Hampton. It's about an hour north of Waterloo. I went to UNI for my MIS degree in computer science and MIS, and then I got my master's at Drake University. I spent the first 14 years of my career at Principal Financial Group in various IT positions, and then I moved from there to lead the IT function at Ameris Capital Management, which I uh, worked there for 10 years. Ameris became Aviva, which then later was purchased by Athene. While I was at Aviva, I worked both internationally and domestically. I uh, lived with my family out in London for a number of years and then um, also worked in Des Moines. So that was 10 years of my career, which led me more recently here to um, working at Come and Go. And I've been at the Come and Go headquarters leading the IT function for the last five and a half years based in West Des Moines, Iowa. My role leading the IT function consists of application development, solution support, the infrastructure area, security, project management, et cetera. We do that for 430 of our stores across 11 states, and we've got about 5,000 employees. In addition to come and go, the Kraus family of companies also includes international business and other local businesses. Solar Transport is one of our companies, which is these large fuel delivering uh, transport semis that you've seen on the road. And then also there's real estate business and a wine and vineyard business out in Italy. That's exciting. Yeah, it is exciting. So that kind of summarizes uh, background on me a little bit personally and then career-wise. Give me a little bit of a insight. I know that the IT functionality and those roles are very different across all sorts of companies. What's a typical day like for you? A typical day for me at come and go in the IT function involves making sure each one of the teams is working on the most critical items for the company where we spend a lot of time matching up our staffing with the entrepreneurial projects that our company is working on right now. So that could be anything from our point of sale solutions where people are paying at the point at the register in the come and go store to um, payment questions. It might be we're moving downtown. We're going to be moving our headquarters soon. In 2018, we'll have our headquarters downtown by the Sculpture Park. And so there's quite a bit of time we're spending these days on the work it takes to convert and move applications and servers and setting up the facility down there, whether it's a conference rooms, uh, Wi-Fi, so a lot of activity around that. Making sure we've got our customers' information protected. We have a lot of activity around um, so security and also our loyalty program on our mobile app. So that kind of gives you a taste for various things we have going on. I always like to hear how people kind of spend their time, especially 
since I'm assuming you're overseeing a lot of other departments and how many people in your kind of IT area? We have about 40 individuals in our IT area and then we have an offshore team in India that's uh, eight individuals and then we usually are working with anywhere from two to four or five uh, different uh, vendors at the same time so we might have consultants, contractors on site also. That's awesome. You mentioned that you lived overseas in London, is that correct? That's correct. What were some of the differences that you saw overseas and kind of that in the Midwest and maybe some key takeaways that you think that we could either be better at in the Midwest or that we're excelling? That's a great question, Beth. You know, I reflect on when I lived out in Europe, there was probably the same amount of women in IT as there are in the United States. So not that much, I would say anywhere from five to 10%, majority were men. But then when I went to India earlier this year and visited our staff, uh, we had actually more women in our Indian team than we had men, and that was prevalent in that whole office. So I thought that was interesting. In Europe, we did a lot of project methodology that was waterfall. Both environments worked heavily with contractors and purchase software just as much as we did homegrown. So that was probably the same Otherwise, I think that a lot of the vendors that we work with are doing both domestic and international business. So the software vendors, pretty much all the same, you know, whether that's Microsoft or SAP or Oracle, or they're pretty much the same ones that everybody uses in both uh, countries. I noticed that you're involved in a lot of nonprofits and boards, and it looks like you are very connected to your community. What do you think we need to do to inspire more females to get involved and how to accelerate change? Well, I think we're already doing a lot of the things that will help move this along with the continued great work of the Tech Association of Iowa and the Iowa Governor's STEM Advisory Board. Communication that's starting to get visibility, I think, will help inspire and move it along even more. The uh, things that I would recommend that we continue to do even more to inspire females to enter into the profession is I think we as working moms need to actually, and dads, to think about when we register our kids for summer camps, for instance, it's very easy to just fall into the mode of, hey, I'll just sign my kid up for a football camp or tennis camp or softball and those just come to mind quickly but I don't think that people think about STEM type of camps uh, as quickly as they do the sports camps and I'd love to see that happening a lot more. They do exist. I know that um, ISU has a great summer camp program for 9th to 12th graders. I've uh, been talking a bit with Dr. Uh, Jackie Almer up there. She's the department head for the College of Business. I know that Dr. Leslie Flynn has a STEM K-12 program at University of Iowa. There's other programs. Girl Scouts here in the Des Moines area, at least, are starting to get heavily involved with STEM activities. There's a Girls Who Code program. So I think a lot of it just really needs to be more visibility and people being aware of the opportunities that even exist. We could potentially do more in reaching out, I think, to the school systems and using their infinite campus or Moodle school newsletters, ways to reach parents through the portals to uh, help them to know what the opportunities are that exist out there, both for girls and boys. I have a daughter that attended a STEM camp 
when she was 11. She's now 13, but when she was 11, she went to a STEM camp here in Des Moines, and she was only one of two girls out of a couple hundred boys that were at the STEM camp. And I don't really understand what's happening that early already in the school systems or in the communities that are making girls not be interested in that. She loves math, um, and so a STEM camp just made a lot of sense for me to enroll her in, but just the surprising thing to me that there weren't more girls already attending at age 11. Something's happening already there, and so we just need to get that visibility, I think, out there, both to schools and to parents. I agree. I have a boy and a girl. My son is six and my daughter is five. And they just attended a camp. It was actually at our children's museum, but it was STEM focused on engineering and science. And it had to do with superheroes. It was awesome to have somebody and kind of teach and have them involve it with play. Um, We loved it. Well, and I think you're hitting on something there. You know, as parents, you really have to seek those things out to do with your kids because it may not be a natural thing as a parent to think about that. We have four kids and we have three older boys and then and our daughter is at the end and there are different kids who are oriented more towards sports. There are kids who are not sports inclined, but honestly, I think as parents, we need to give our kids both exposures so they can figure out what they do and don't like throughout life. And I do think they, those programs exist and they're becoming more and more of them. We just need to continue to communicate them, I think, out loud more. Especially, you know, I'm thinking about the young women. The U.S. Bureau of Labor stats shows a 12% growth in employment in IT professionals year over year, expecting 488,000 more jobs by 2024. You know what? We've got to find where we're going to get those individuals from, and the women are just as good at it as the men are, and so we've got to figure out how to encourage that more and, and grow that skill up. I'd also love to see computers as just a standard class, just like math and science and PE and music are in the school system. Uh, Why aren't computers there? They're in every profession and every discipline that exists out there. Uh, So I think that's another thing is we could probably try and reach out to curriculum directors and see if there's a way to build that into the standard curriculum. I love it. Next up, one of my favorite parts of the show, we listen to technology leaders and their favorite tech apps and tips for making life easier. You know, another thing that we try to do on on this podcast is kind of share with the listeners new tools or trends in technology that we're loving at this point. This could be anything from a new app or work-life balance or just something that you're using within your organization. And you kind of made me think of this because one of my favorite apps that I use for the kids is called Codable. It's a free app that you can use. Um, I think they have it on both Android and iPhone, um, but... I just have the babysitter that watches the kids over the summer put the app on and it takes them through this whole gamification coding system. My son's been doing it since he was three and he loves getting to the next level. It has a full like login portal so you can actually do and watch their progress and curriculum. I just think it's such an easy thing that parents can do even if they don't maybe have you know, the time to, to take their kids to the different camps or summer activities. And we just say Monday's our coding day and the kids think it's so special and so fun. So that's one of the technologies and, and apps that I'm loving right now. That's way cool. I'm excited you're doing that with your kids. I think, um, you know, what's interesting is watching the kids in the school systems now, even their 
their library time. They're not running around the library picking out the next book they're bringing home. They're spending a lot of it with, with the devices in their hands and they're learning how to be resourceful already in second and third grade and footnoting things and looking up references and resources. And it's been interesting to watch my kids come home from school with their homework already in the early elementary grades, pulling in resources and recognizing who contributed to that or who uh, took the photo that they're using in their document and, and showing all those resources. I'm just excited to see that all come along. Agreed. Do you have any apps or kind of tips and tricks that or tools that you use um, on a regular basis that you think others would, would find helpful in their daily lives? None that come to the top of my mind. I mean, we in the corporate world, we use very different ones from delivering our solutions out into the over the internet and making sure that they work both on Androids and on um, iPhones. Is there anything else that you want to share or add that you think people would find of value in terms of Iowa technology? IT is just an amazing profession, and the people that it appeals to are people who want to go into that profession who love variety. And you've got to love things that change all the time, kind of that lifelong learner, the zest for things that are never standing still, uh, innovation, wanting to make progress. I feel like a kid in a candy shop in this profession, and it's that in itself is going to keep me young even when I'm old <laughs> and I can stay in the profession for 30, 40 years and, and uh, never get tired of it because what you learn in three months from now, it's it's changed and it's something brand new. And I think that's the most exciting part about being an IT as a profession. And I hope that a lot of other people look into it and encourage their kids to go into it because we're going to need a lot of kids and a lot of additional professionals out there. Well, good. Well, I appreciate your time today so much. And maybe sometime we'll we'll get a meet in person. <laughs> um, I would love to do that. I'm in Des Moines quite a bit, actually. So maybe next time I'm, I'm in town, I will uh, just hit you up and we can grab coffee together. I would love that, Beth. Thank you so much for including me in your podcast today. It was a lot of fun. Hello, I'm Mandy McWhorter, Communications Manager for Technology Association of Iowa. Today, we're trading places with our host, Beth Trejo, to learn more about her, about Chatterkick, and about the larger inspiration for this project, Technically Iowa. First of all, thank you, Beth, for taking the lead on producing this podcast. Your expertise has been integral in getting this project off the ground, and we're so excited to unveil each episode. As a presenting sponsor of Technically Iowa, please tell us a little bit about what attracted you to this project and maybe a little bit about how it originated. Yeah, the project actually started because a group of us were on a call and um, we had some mutual connections through the Technology Iowa um, board. And it was really interesting because we were all talking about how do we better connect Iowans, specifically the females, and really talk about what's going on throughout the state in technology. So one of the things that we suggested was maybe we should do a podcast and just interview and talk to the different female entrepreneurs and technology leaders throughout the state. And I thought that that was something I'd be really interested in leading. So in partnership with your team and your board, we decided let's start this and try it. And if it's not 100% perfect the first time, that's okay. And we really just wanted the stories of fellow Iowans to get out throughout the state and throughout the country. And Chatterkick has a really interesting story. Um, being in Sioux City, um, can you tell us a little bit about 
why and when you started Chatterkick and kind of what Chatterkick is all about. Sure. I started Chatterkick. Uh, we kind of fall into the category of a social media agency. However, we really like to think of ourselves as a full brand partner. But I started the company about five and a half, almost six years ago now, and really with the concept that we needed those connections as social media was coming onto the scene and, you know, technology is becoming more and more a part of all of our lives. Um, doesn't matter the age demographic. It really is interwoven throughout our day. And I really saw the need of the relationship and the human connection. These things and technology move so fast, but the humans behind the technology was also very important. So we kind of consider ourselves a soft technology because we really focus on the service and um, kind of the human connections. We don't actually develop any of our own software per se because we're using the platforms such as Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, all the social media platforms. And then we also develop websites on a couple of platforms as well. So we really just saw the need for something to be done a little bit different in the social media world than it was done before. And now we've grown. We have 22 staff members. Um, we have a couple positions. So we're hoping to grow that as well. And we have two different offices. Um, we have one in Sioux City, Iowa, and then we have one um, in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. So we kind of are connected throughout the center of the U.S. Very cool. So you, you talked a lot about human connections. That's, that's interesting because we're getting ready to kind of unveil this new project next year that Chatterkick was um, instrumental in uh, filling up from the very beginning called the Iowan Project. And the goal for the Iowan Project is to really attract Iowans back to the state and build connections there. Can you talk a little bit about your process for building up that database and getting people to place their pins on the Iowan Project app and maybe a little bit about your Chatterkick's involvement with all of that? Sure. So it's funny because even when I was a kid, you know, we would always go to, on vacations to different places throughout the country. And it's funny how I remember specifically meeting people that were, you know, from Akron or other areas. It was always surprising to us that we would meet people that were close to us or knew somebody that we knew. And I think that probably happens on a micro level in all of our lives to some extent. And even if you look at Facebook, Facebook says that we are only about 3.7 degrees of separation from anybody else. And that's, you know, a lot closer than six degrees. And so I just was really attracted by that kind of concept. And it, again, especially if you travel, I've traveled a lot throughout the country. And, you know, I see somebody wearing a a Hawkeye shirt or, um, you know, we're kind of gathered around a certain place, especially if there's a sports team on um, and you seem to find people and they wear their Iowa um, pride very, very much at the forefront. And um, there's a, definitely a lot of just pride throughout the state. So the project itself was really attractive to us. And really what we did on, on behalf of Chatterkick was we just help spread that Iowa nice. We did some ticket giveaways. We definitely tried to get people to subscribe to the Iowan Project, which is kind of placing their pin and making their mark with their phone and information and email. So that if you are going to San Francisco or San Diego or New York City um, or Kansas City, that if you want to look up fellow people from Iowa and kind of build your network from there, it's definitely an option. And you can just use that website. So it's, it's pretty cool and definitely something I think could be of use now and even into the future. Excellent. Yeah, we're very excited to start using that as an attraction tool to bring back uh, specifically the tech-skilled workers back to Iowa and using those kind of 
natural networks of Iowans, like you mentioned. I know whenever I'm traveling, I always meet other Iowans, and it's so fun to see Cyclone and Hawkeye sweatshirts everywhere you go. So the nature of this project is super exciting for us, specifically for talent development in the state. So thank you for all of Chatterkick's work and kind of building up that database right from the beginning. We're super pumped to get that launched here and start leveraging the data and, and finding those folks and then telling them the great story about tech in Iowa. Can you tell us a little bit about a project that you're really proud of that Chatterkick has worked on or you're working on currently? Yeah, you know, I think one of the things that we're seeing become so much more at the forefront, especially with unemployment rates low, and it kind of is close to what you were talking about in terms of attraction and recruitment. We're really using social media tools for a recruitment and digital recruitment specifically option. Because I think one of the things that, especially as businesses get deeper into the platforms and social media, it doesn't always just fit in the marketing department. If you're a manufacturing company and you don't really have a developed marketing team, sometimes the question of who should manage our social media gets a little bit vague and people kind of point at each other. So our goal is really to help businesses understand that this isn't just a marketing tool or a way to kind of push your information in front of people. It really is just a communication tool. So attracting candidates through storytelling, which is essentially what you're doing, and putting positions and opportunities in front of passive candidates who maybe didn't realize that if the offer was right or if there was some quality of life benefit to a position, they would switch jobs. And we're really seeing that be a very effective recruitment tool And the boundaries and the cost value of it is really attractive for a lot of businesses. So I think that that's one of the things we're seeing ramp up here in 2018. And I don't see that slowing down. No, certainly not. With your business out in Sioux City, what can TAI do to support women-led tech companies like Chatterkick that are across the state and not necessarily, you know, in the larger metros? What can we do better to support organizations like yours? You know, one of the things I think that's so important, and I've really been preaching, which I took this from, I think, one of your speeches, or it was I think it was at the dinner, the Technology Iowa dinner, was just the notion of vocabulary, helping people understand, especially business owners or people in the business community that are not necessarily in the technology space. They don't know the difference between a web developer, a software engineer, a person who handles social media, right? Those are all very different skill sets. And they kind of lump them all together in technology. And I think just by helping get the vocab out there and helping to connect with the business communities to understand that, you know, technology means a lot of different things. And it's a very diverse category, even within itself. So I think that that's something that's extremely important. And it just needs to be constantly in the forefront of our community's mind. Thanks. That's great feedback. We'll uh, certainly keep a mind out for the language barriers and making sure that people are educated on what a tech job is. And that's something we're you know, constantly working to do is demystify tech jobs. What is the role of a CTO? What is the role of a CIO or a CISO? And making sure that folks are aware of those distinctions and also letting other companies know that just because they aren't building software doesn't mean they aren't a tech company because you know every organization has some function that requires IT. And that's something that we're always trying to communicate as well is that, you know, every company is an IT company. Every company is a tech company because they all leverage technology in some way or another. 
So we're especially grateful to you, Beth, for shining a light on the social media side of things and certainly to help us celebrate the women entrepreneurs in our state. So thank you so much for taking on this project and really leading the charge on helping us tell these great stories of Iowa women. It's been fun and I look forward to more conversations connecting with females and women in technology. And I think this is a great way to kind of continue those communications and conversations. Excellent. Thanks so much, Beth. We really appreciate it. Thanks so much. And make sure you stay tuned for the next episodes of Technically Iowa. The Technology Association of Iowa is proud to be a uniting force for Iowa's technology community. You can visit technologyiowa.org to learn more about how to get involved. Thank you for listening to this episode.